today like you know social commerce typically means like shopping on instagram but really the other kind of behavior that exists in real life and that hasn't really existed online yet is shopping with friends like right in real life you go shopping with friends it's an entertainment activity you spend more time because because it is a social activity so that's going to start more in online it will happen through these virtual communities as you mentioned on these gaming platforms but also separately just it already started happening a little bit during pandemic where people are getting on zoom video calls and shopping for a wedding dress and things like that you're listening to retail remix your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. I am so excited about today's episode. You may have seen the company Obsess splashed all over headlines and in thought leadership pieces, and I'm sure you have seen its founder and CEO, Neha included in those conversations. She has become a thought leader in all things virtual experience and has slowly been driving awareness and excitement around the metaverse. Of course, virtual showrooms, they've been around for a bit largely because of Obsess and the work that they've been doing, but I wanted to get Neha's perspective on how virtual showrooms lead into metaverse opportunities? Where is their crossover? Where are their distinct opportunities? And how can brands capitalize on both? We have so many twists and turns in this conversation, so definitely recommend you taking some notes if this is a topic of interest. But if not, it is just a fascinating and entertaining conversation. It was a pleasure getting to pick Neha's brain for um, about 30 minutes or so. So listen in. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Neha, it is a pleasure to meet you and so great to have you on the show, mainly because I have been following you and obsessed for years. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much, Alicia, for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's start at the beginning because, again, just your story and what you've built is so fascinating and inspiring. What inspired you and encouraged you to start the obsessed business? What were you trying to accomplish? What gaps in the industry were you trying to fill? Yeah, so I started obsessed because I love shopping and I love fashion, but I always found the process of online shopping just so boring and tedious. Because if you think about how most of the e-commerce websites look today, they still have just a grid of thumbnails on a white background. This interface was really created by Amazon 25 years ago to sell books, but somehow got used for every brand in every category. So my background before starting Obsess was in engineering and in product. But after I was an engineer at Google for five years, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I started taking fashion design classes at FIT, realized after a couple of semesters that I was really bad at drawing. So decided to stick to the tech side of fashion and joined a startup that was actually creating an e-commerce marketplace for luxury lifestyle products. So that's where I was responsible for building an e-commerce site from scratch. And what I realized was that it was so difficult to move away from this grid-based interface because 
all of the platforms today, like the e-commerce platforms, this is what they give you as the template. So it's not very easy as a brand or retailer for you to really make a website that's different or create a different experience for your customers because the technology did not exist. And then fast forward a little bit after that, I was the head of product at Vogue for years. I worked with many brands there who were advertisers in the magazine to create interactive digital experiences for them. And what I realized by talking to the brands is that they were really struggling with their online experience and especially their mobile experience because on mobile, their brand gets reduced to four to six thumbnails on a page. So that's kind of what the background was. And then what happened was that I tried on one of the early virtual reality headsets, the Oculus DK2, which was before the official consumer release. This was the developer version. And, you know, I wasn't a gamer at all. But for me, when I put the device on, I was like, oh, my God, this is how I want to shop. Like, I don't want to I don't always have time to go to stores, but I want that experience of like the discovery and the fun in, you know, while shopping at home. So that's really what prompted me to start Obsessed because as a consumer, I wanted a better online shopping experience. Of course, it was too early for <laughs> headsets back then. So we kind of did that for a couple of years, but we then ended up moving to a completely mobile and web-based platform, which is what our primary product is today. It's so fascinating. Such an incredible background story and, and progression for your career because it, you kind of extracted the business case based on your personal experiences as a consumer, as a shopper, and also your professional conversations and pain points. So you, you like found that perfect intersection. And I'm sure it has been very interesting for you seeing the progression and evolution of this space, especially over the past two years. I know it's been interesting for me because I've been watching your company and have been saying like, this is going to be huge. And I feel like it's finally reached this very exciting point within the industry, especially because like there are so many conversations around how do we level up that digital experience? How do we bring the best of physical to digital, right? Rather than the conversations in the past, which was around like, how do we make the store more digital? So I thought that was a very interesting flip that occurred over the past couple of years. So I guess my question for you is, have you noticed any shifts in the conversations that you've been having with brands in this current climate, right? Because there is such a need, there is such an opportunity, and obviously the technology exists, but what, what are they coming to you with in the way of questions or, or even challenges right now? Yeah, absolutely. So we have definitely seen a shift in the conversations and the way that these kinds of technologies, virtual selling, virtual reality, augmented reality, etc., are perceived by brands and retailers. So I would say, let's say about, you know, like four years ago or even like 2019, um, definitely brands were looking at the space, but it was still something that was experimental. I mean, on the one hand, it seems obvious that the consumer experience should evolve, but at the same time, they also have a lot of other priorities. And again, the base platforms don't necessarily provide this to you. So it wasn't sort of top of the priority list for brands. So the pandemic, I think, definitely caused that acceleration, just like in a lot of other technologies and other e-commerce technologies, where the focus suddenly um, to the digital experience. And in the past, like, you know, there was a lot of talk about offline and online convergence. And pretty much, as you mentioned, it was often about how we can make the stores more digital or more about omni-channel logistics, like how can we allow ordering online, picking up in store or the other way around. 
So I think what happened, what has happened in the last couple of years is that that conversation has really shifted about omni to omni-channel experience, which is how do we bring the same experience that we have today in our retail stores into online shopping as well. And it became much higher priority for brands and a need for brands. And so the adoption has been rising pretty quickly. We have seen a 400% increase in just inbound interest from brands and retailers. And part of it is that, and then I would say the other part, the reason is that the technology itself and the hardware itself has been improving. And it has now reached the point where as a consumer, it's super easy for me to access this, right? Like I was saying in the early days, like, yeah, we were working with headsets, but that was, you needed a different device and it was, it was difficult. But now you can just click on a link on Instagram or click on a link on an email and the virtual experience opens right there. It's just on your phone. You don't need, even need to download an app. So I think that's the other reason why as the GPUs on our mobile devices have improved that all of these richer experiences have now become possible. So it's sort of like an evolution of technology story there as well. Interesting. So would you say overall, just because of those technology improvements, because of just the the current climate that we're in, right, the acceleration of, of digital behaviors and increase in expectations, is it easier for you and your team to kind of make the case for these virtual experiences now? Or do you still kind of have to have these conversations where you break down the value proposition and and what the ultimate benefit is? Like that increase in inbound interest is insane. So I assume that people are coming to you, raising your hand saying like, we want to create these experiences right off the bat. But are there any cases where you kind of have to combat any pessimists or naysayers? Or do you think we're at this juncture now where it's like, oh no, everyone's basically on the same page that this is this is a thing and it is only going to become more key to the omnichannel brand experience? Yeah, I would say we are definitely much more in the zone now where, as you said, this is a thing. People are kind of, the conversation is shifting of how to do this, not should we do this. But I would say still in every case, I think we do have to prove the value proposition. And part of that is that another reason for the shift is at the beginning, there was not a lot of data when this technology was still very new. Now we have created about 100 virtual stores and we have a ton of data on how it's behaving, how consumers are engaging with them, how it's improving session engagement, how it's improving conversion, how it's improving average order values. So I think that that is a huge part as well, because even if it's like something that brands think that, yes, it makes sense that they should do it now, there's still a lot of other priorities that they have. And there's still a lot of maybe I would say more kind of basic technologies they are implementing on their site first, whereas this is still like a little bit newer, right? So I think the competition for these type of technologies is not like other companies, but it's really more just any retail tech and what the priority is for a brand to implement everything. So that conversation, I think, has shifted thanks to the thanks to having more data as well. And I would say the way in which sort of that shift has manifested itself too is like what we saw, again, like prior, let's say 2019 and prior, we were primarily talking to innovation teams at brands. But now um, over the last like year and a half, actually 
I would say pretty much all, if not in 90 plus percent of the cases, our buyers are not innovation teams. They are the core business units, like in some cases, retail teams, uh, in many more cases, marketing teams, in some cases, digital and e-commerce teams. And then some cases, like some other teams like PR or visual merchandising or even the wholesale teams. And then the last point I'll make is what we now see more and more, which we didn't used to see before, is that Brands are actually creating briefs around their virtual stores. They are coming to us with very specific requirements of what they would like, very specific ideas of what they want the concept to be, which is amazing because before like that didn't used to be the case. And what we actually saw was like all these RFPs going out about virtual stores. So it's like, yeah, they want to do this. They are now trying to get to the next step, which is amazing. I love that. That shift in terms of who is making those buying decisions, like who's part of the committee, who's leading the charge, that is very interesting because it just shows, I guess, how how core this topic and, and these types of experience have become, right? It's not just like some project that the innovation team leads and maybe it'll go somewhere, maybe it won't. It's more central now, which is very exciting. Before we get into some use cases, because you said data and I'm all in, I want to find out about use cases, how people are, are interacting with these experiences. But I want to ask a quick question around the current obsessed portfolio or variety of solutions because you mentioned virtual showrooms, which are very core, but you're also getting more into metaverse. I'm seeing your name associated with a lot of content, a lot of articles around the potential of metaverse and the future of metaverse. So can you kind of break down where the obsessed core offerings are now? Is there any overlap between virtual showrooms and metaverse strategy? I would love to get your take on how all of that is broken down. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely like metaverse is a term that has come into the common culture in the last couple of months. It's really describing a collection of technologies that exist and sort of are still very new, but sort of will come together to create this next generation of the internet. And the way that we think about it is that, yeah, it's really how websites will be in the future, which will, which is a 3D version. They will have, users will be personified through avatars and you'll be doing a lot of different activities in the metaverse. Today, it's the equivalent of today, how you are on social media, but now you are sort of in the experience versus just like looking at it on a screen, right? So in terms of that, I think what we are doing is already sort of part of this definition in terms of creating virtual stores or virtual showrooms for um, brands and retailers. And I think the interesting way to look at it is at it is that this is the entry point to the metaverse because as you know metaverse as a term as a concept is still new and still being defined but for these experiences like they live on a brand's website the brand will always own all of the data it's fully customized to their branding to their styling so it's kind of a step into as with this 3d representation of the brand as a way that you can interact consumers can interactively shop together in these experiences it's the first step into the metaverse so that's really our core offering today which is creating these virtual stores and showrooms for brands on their sites what we are going to do next year is also kind of expand where the virtual stores of brands can live. So today they are living on their site, but then we are also going to expand to other, let's say, metaverse platforms, and most namely Roblox and Fortnite, as those are kind of the largest ones today. So I think this space is going to evolve a lot. And ultimately, you know, a brand will have to 
have this virtual 3D representation in different places. Just like today, you have they have their website, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook. So you can imagine the next version of that is essentially these different 3D platforms where the audience is, right? So ultimately, brands want to go where the audience is. And these gaming platforms today have massive audiences. I think there will be new platforms that will emerge that didn't start out as games. But as the evolution of like our platform and of the space in general that we see is that now these virtual stores will start living in different platforms. So if you're a Roblox player, you'll just go to Roblox and you'll see you can browse the virtual world and you can interact with the brand and you can play games and then you can also shop some products. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. And I I think the main takeaway for me is that point you made around how even in the current climate, we have this combination of owned and rented channels, so to speak. Like it's important for you to have that core that you own. You can own the data, you can own the experience, but you use all of these adjacent channels as points of discovery and points of engagement. So people hopefully will go to that core. So I think looking at the virtual store slash showroom and the metaverse in a similar lens definitely makes sense. And actually, I think helps make the opportunity a bit more clear for some of the folks listening. At least I I hope so. I mean, it made a lot of sense to me. But it brings me to my next question around the use cases and the different scenarios that you're seeing virtual showrooms really come to life. Like you brought up that teams now are coming to the table with these very detailed briefs and very detailed objectives. And you've seen and worked with brands across makeup, shoes, even the Skims holiday shop, which was so fun and adorable. So, I mean, that's the professional term, adorable. How do you think, if you could describe the evolution of these showrooms, I mean, what are some key call-outs? Are you seeing brands look at these experiences through a more strategic lens? Are they getting more advanced? I would love your take on the progression there. Yeah, I think in terms of, yeah, so I would say definitely. And in terms of use cases, I think what has been really interesting for me and for us as a company is just seeing like all the amazing use cases that brands and retailers are coming up with for our technology that we didn't even think of. So just to describe like a few examples, I mean, first kind of talking about the core use cases, right? So we create virtual stores in two ways. One is that we can take physical retail stores or any physical space really and virtualize it. So the use case there is that you're essentially increasing the ROI on your retail real estate, right? Because you, as a brand, you already have a store. And now by making a virtual version of the store, you can increase the reach and the audience that can visit and experience that store uh, versus just those who could come there in person. So there we are for that technology, you know, we have seen brands doing their flagship store opening. So when they open a new flagship store physically, they're also opening the store virtually and they're actually both using it to drive online shopping, but also using it to drive in-store traffic by making sort of, let's say we are working with a luxury watch brand and they're the main, it's their store, it was their new flagship store and the main call to action is really around booking appointments to visit in-store, right? So it's a very interesting way to drive foot traffic to the store. We also do a lot of pop-up stores in this way, where if you're opening a pop-up store in real life, if you also virtualize that pop-up store, 
um, you know, you could, first of all, keep it open for a longer time. We have seen some of our customers who have sold out of the collection by through the virtual pop-up because it was open for longer and obviously more people from everywhere else can come and look at it as well. So that's a great way to just extend something that, you know, you're already doing. We have also seen multi-brand retailers creating very interesting pop-up experiences for some of their brands where they are using it as a new revenue stream or as a sponsorship model where the brand pays them to kind of create and curate this cool virtual experience for them on the retailer's website. So I think that's quite interesting. And then on the other side, we can create virtual stores, virtual experiences that are entirely digital and don't exist in real life. So here, brands can get really creative. They can make anything from a planet to uh, something underwater to like, you know, whatever they want, or they can make something that looks like a retail store. In many cases, we see a lot of like lofts and houses and things like that to make the products appear more contextually. So there as well, we are seeing a few different use cases. One is like brands are actually creating very tailored seasonal experiences because for like, let's say summer versus the fall, because it's completely digital, you can switch around your entire store and change the design and layout completely if you want. So we see like very tailored seasonal experiences for the holidays. We definitely see brands creating a ton of holiday-specific experiences that all are super engaging. They do really well. Then, as you mentioned, we are seeing use cases in the media, sort of in the media industry with curating products from multiple brands and then selling sponsorships to brands as well to appear to appear within that space. We see collaborations with influencers. So because it's something different for influencers to promote on Instagram from what they're normally doing. So if the influencer curates or creates a virtual store, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, I mean, there's just like all kinds of use cases. And definitely then there's also the B2B side for wholesale showrooms as well as visual merchandising. So we have customers that use the platform actually to disseminate the VM guidelines globally so that before people used to kind of fly to the headquarters and see how for the new year, the new collection should be laid out. Now it's being done virtually or even for wholesale buyers, they're creating amazing virtual experiences even for buyers. So yeah, there's like, there's a ton of stuff and it's, I think it's always evolving and brands are coming up with new ideas all the time, which is, uh, which is great. And then of course they can get all the data and then they can see how it does and how they need to change it for next time. Amazing. It really shows, I, I think, the scope of the possibilities, right? And like, it's essentially a blank canvas. It's just figuring out what you want to do with it, what the value is for the business, and ultimately for the customer or end user, right? So I guess my question for you is, I mean, what level of, of strategic support or guidance does Obsess try to provide? Because again, the opportunities seem limitless. I mean, are there any, I guess, red flags or potential obstacles that may emerge if, say, you know, a brand has all of these big ideas, but they're not quite sure how to execute? Or maybe you, you believe that their approach to the virtual experience is, is not quite aligned with their goals. I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to understand one, what level of support you provide, and two, if there are any, if there have been any learnings through so many creative experiences and exercises where, you know, that you have any lessons, I guess, for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the level of support we provide, we, yeah, I mean, we really work with brands end to end on the process. We handle 
everything in terms of the execution, for the most part, we do the actual 3D design or the photography, we do the integration, we do the implementation, the maintenance, updates, all of that. So really, we want to make it as easy for our customers as possible, because in the end, this is still a new technology and it's an additional, you know, additional job description for anyone on the brand side that is, that's managing this, right? On the strategic side, while we are not an agency, because again, this tech is so new. So I think the strategy part just kind of has to come with it as we are developing it. And we do the way that we start with brands to sort of kind of tail into your second question is that first, we really want to understand the objectives and make sure that actually a that brands have actually defined their objectives for doing this so is it that you know you're trying to raise brand awareness among a younger audience is it that you want to you know yeah increase the return on your stores is it that you want to increase conversion and obviously everybody all of those things would be great (laughs) but i think it's always helpful before starting to really understand what the objectives are and i think as for the brands and retailers, I would definitely recommend thinking through that first because then it helps in the evaluation and in the decisions of how we design the store. Like if, you know, let's say, because it's all customized, so we can design the store in specific ways. If your objective was, okay, you really want people to learn more about the brand or to come back and explore more often, we would design in a different way than if it was really to drive to the sale as quickly as possible. So that's part one. Then the second part in terms of the design. So there, the way it works is that we always want the creative direction and the creative vision to come from the brand because that's what they are great at. Like it's really thinking about your core brand DNA, how you might express it in your retail stores, how you might express it in your actual products and thinking through like, how do you want to express that either overall as a virtual flagship store or for a specific collection And, you know, brands are amazing at that. They come up with the best ideas. It's like they're so creative. But I think where we sort of come in is more on the layout and optimization side where we have the data because there we know like how people navigate, for example, If you give people like too many choices or too many directions to go to, then it's kind of like we see drop off because it's it's like too many choices. So we generally within that sort of creative direction and scope, we will generally advise brands to come up with a path, like a user path and how they would ideally like customers to go through their experiences. Then there might be like other small things like, you know, what we see from the data is that people And this is actually similar to the behavior in real stores, but in virtual stores, consumers go to the right first more than they go to the left for the most part. So we will will tell you to put more of your important products on the right, for example. Another thing is like, you know, people like secret doors or like secret rooms, like those don't get a lot of usage. Like in digital, people don't like clicking on things that they don't know what it is or what it's going to lead them to, right? So, I mean, we see it's it's the same principle. Like if you, you're running an Instagram ad, but it's not really clear like where it's going, like people won't click on it. So, you know, so that's something like we would advise brands against if they're thinking of that. So that's how it kind of works. So like the overall concept and vision comes from the brand and then we help in actually building it out in 3d but then also we advise along the way in terms of more specific layout and optimization for mobile where of course 75 to 80 percent of the traffic is so we are always thinking about like okay if you saw this on your mobile device what is the first thing you would see which is the direction you would go to so really applying sort of the ui ux web principles into this 3d world 
Wow. Definitely an interesting combination of art and science. And I think getting into the heart of like what drives people to act and, or maybe even not act, right? Like your point around people don't like to click on things where they don't know what the next step is. They want like that certainty. They want clarity is definitely fascinating. And I loved hearing all of those different use cases that have come to light over the years. And I, and I guess it leads me to a follow-up question around, have you ever heard of cases where a virtual showroom or virtual experience like this does not align with a brand or is maybe not the best answer for a certain objectives? Because again, these use cases are so vast, but I'm sure there may be a few listeners right now that are like, okay, like I love this trend. It's fascinating and I want to try it, but like I need to make sure that it is 100% the right option for us or the right step for us. So are there cases where it's just it's not and it just isn't going to work? Yeah, that is a great question. And actually, you know, I spend time and even discuss with our team, like what are areas or verticals that it just doesn't make sense for? And ultimately, it was very difficult for us to find any categories. Like first we thought, okay, like restaurants and food may not make a lot of sense, but then we were like, it virtual experiences, like if you could dine together. So we have this new feature where you can be on video chat with your friends in a virtual experience. So you could, we were thinking you could have like a virtual dinner and each of you could be eating in your own place, but you're on video chat in the virtual experience. And I mean, there's just so many things. And Chipotle created experiences on Roblox and Fortnite. So I, so the only one that we, we could come up with, at least from our thinking, was like maybe like the gas station stores. It doesn't really make sense because there it's about very much about the just the convenience of the fact that you're there. Because then we were thinking like delis in New York, but even it would be cool to like just go to a deli virtually and, and shop it. So, I mean, I think the other way to think about it is that not just in the context of like a virtual store or showroom, but overall in the context of a virtual 3D experience is that it's sort of like the next evolution of the internet. Like everybody has a website today. So maybe if you're a clinic or something, like you won't have like a virtual store, but you will probably, ultimately you will have some kind of 3D representation of your business in the future and how you would communicate your value prop because it's just going to be more immersive and that's how technology is evolving or even if you're a software company because that was another category we were thinking of but we are actually talking to some software companies about creating like these virtual sort of spaces for them where some of their customers can come and hang out or they can have live events that they can virtually stream into these spaces so yeah I think there's the use cases that I covered I think just sort of scratch the surface there's so many more and the way to think about it for the future is really that it's the next version of how you would represent yourself on the internet. And it's just like this version is closer to the real world in terms of it being 3D versus a 2D website. So that's really what part of what Web3 is about. And I guess it ties back to our earlier portion of the conversation where we talked about like the owned experience versus these external communities, right? Which is what I think makes the metaverse so exciting and, you know, so tangible for so many businesses. So if if we're thinking about the future and as we close out our conversation, I'd like to include some more forward looking and, and actionable takeaways. Obviously, we've seen such an incredible 
convergence of digital and physical. We've seen digital technology really advance and people still trying to create these very interpersonal, physical-like experiences. Like you were talking about, you know, people, quote unquote, dining together in, in a virtual environment, which is so fun and exciting. So, I mean, what do you think is to come in the future? How do you think this convergence will continue, especially as these virtual communities get more robust? Like I'm thinking about the Roblox, like you were saying earlier, and these digital capabilities get more sophisticated. Like, where do you think this is going? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we are still at the very beginning of all of this, right? So this, all of this has existed, let's say, for two years at this point. So we are still at the tip of the iceberg. I think there's multiple sort of areas in which it's going to evolve. So first of all, as our kind of just hardware continues to improve these experiences, all of these virtual 3D experiences will actually become much more dynamic and richer and personalized. Because at the moment, we still have some restrictions on what we can and cannot render graphically on a browser, on a mobile device. So we are not fully able to eventually, like let's say, you know, our goal would be, Alicia, if you're going to the store or if I'm going to this virtual store, we can actually see different products because it's all digital, right? So we should be able to just completely personalize the products in the store or even the store itself to the consumer. So you're going to see things like that as hardware improves where we can do essentially more real-time 3D rendering and then the experiences will just get richer, more, more animated. So that's one area. The other area is, which you kind of touched on, is experiences becoming more human. So as much as like this is all about virtual, for us and what we see generally in the industry is one of the very important principles is like, how do we make this more human? Because if you think about e-commerce, it's not very human today. And now really since the pandemic that the other technology that got accelerated was um, you know, live chat with sales associates and being able to ask questions as you're shopping online. So I think the way that will manifest itself in the virtual experiences, yes, we already have integrations with the sales live chat platforms. You're able to ask questions as you're going to the virtual store, but then we will see like avatars of designers or sales concierges or influencers actually welcoming you to the store, to taking you through the store, answering your questions and guiding you to the right products if you want that. If you don't want that and if you just want to browse on your own, that's fine. And then the other way that the human part kind of manifests itself is just these experiences being more social. So social, today, like, you know, social commerce typically means like shopping on Instagram, but really the other kind of behavior that exists in real life and that hasn't really existed online yet is shopping with friends. Like, right, in real life, you go shopping with friends. It's an entertainment activity. You spend more time because because it is a social activity. So that's going to start more in online. It will happen through these virtual communities, as you mentioned, on these gaming platforms, but also separately, just it already started happening a little bit during pandemic where people are getting on Zoom video calls and shopping for a wedding dress and things like that. So we'll see more and more of that. And then the third and last one I would say is, which is a little bit further away is, ultimately all of this becomes fully immersive in the sense that kind of where I started today's conversation, which was like wearing a headset and it was too early for that. And now, you know, obviously the technology has progressed so much. And in the next two to three years, I think we will see the hardware getting to the point that 
that it's not chunky and it's very easy to use and even it might even look stylish when a certain company releases their first product so i think at that point you know once you imagine that it's like right now we are seeing all these experiences on our phone but what if like you can literally be inside the skim holiday village and you can walk around and you can explore it and that you know at that point sort of the brand engagement goes through the roof so like i i don't know exactly when that will happen but at some point it's going to happen and of course all of this is kind of leading up to that and as a brand once you have your 3d representation today it's on your site then it will be on other roblox other platforms and then ultimately it will be in a way where the customer is fully immersed so i think that's the evolution we are going to see in the next 5 years so fun and exciting so for you as founder as ceo of obsess are there any of these particular trends like you are most excited about or that you really want to focus on like as you think about the next steps for the company or is it a matter of like all of the above like we're going all in on this i think it's definitely all of the above but i would say in the short term in the next like year for us the human social component is our biggest priority and we are doing a lot of we kind of released our first feature in this area which is shopping with friends and we are doing a lot here where you'll be able to shop with like influencers and sales associates and getting people's avatars into the experience as well as having like virtual events and being able to talk with the whole community while you're shopping in the virtual store so that's sort of our near term focus out of those areas Excellent. Well, very excited to see what comes from Obsess in the future, not just over the next quarter, but the next year, five years. You guys are doing such incredible work, such exciting work. So it's been a real pleasure to get to speak with you and hear more about it, get your take on all of these trends that are happening. But before I let you go, Neha, I always try to close out these conversations with some actionable takeaways, lessons, some takeaway points, I guess, for our listeners. And I know you have worked on your fair share of projects, have seen some incredible use cases. I'm wondering if you've kind of had a favorite or two, not to, you know, put <laughs> put you on the spot, but whether it's because they were creative or challenging, what have been your most rewarding or or favorite projects? And what were some lessons learned that you can share with our listeners today? Yeah, that is a hard one because we have so many amazing like every experience that we release is amazing and I love it and each brand like thinks about it in their own way and they're so creative but just I guess like two of the recent experiences I can talk about which are a couple of my favorites so one is Charlotte Tilbury's uh, virtual store which is a beauty brand and what's cool about them is like they are always kind of thinking in the future and always trying to create this representation of their brand in in a totally different way and they were ahead in the game in terms of thinking about how they want to represent what they call Charlotte Tilbury's beauty universe like in this format and they they just they have just this amazing design concept so the latest one they did was kind of these islands floating in space and you kind of jump from island to island and it's just it's just visually stunning you know the experience and then the second part of it is that they always try to incorporate like specific user engagement tactics so in this one they did a gamification where we there were these keys hidden around the islands and then as you kind of found you had to find three keys and when you find the three keys you get access to an exclusive product so that's something you know like that's a type of thing where by default we didn't have it in our platform 
but it's something that we can implement because it's something that it makes sense that like to get through this experience, like you have some gamification like tactics. And then also they were the partner who we launched shop with friends with first. So I think that's definitely a great experience to check out just in terms of what the latest and greatest is. And then my other favorite is definitely American Girl because it is the cutest virtual store that we have. And what's amazing about that one is like they really thought about it from a full kind of 360 degree strategy. They have, we have actually photographed their store in Rockefeller Center in New York and in Chicago. And so you can browse the physical store, but then they created this museum, which is completely digitally created where every doll has her own room and you know they're so detailed about their the backstories of each doll and the accessories and so all of that is represented in this virtual experience so all the history all the everything that they have ever created or thought of for that brand for that doll character is there and now it's a way for consumers to discover it in one place we see just super high engagement in that experience there's a child version there's an adult version so it's really kind of thinking through all of the different user flows and through the different ways in which they can represent their products so i think it's just an amazing example also of both like a hybrid where it's a real store but then it's also like a completely there's a completely virtual component to it. I love it. I love the idea that there is a version for kids as well as adults and and such a rich brand, right? So much history there, so many layers to it, and of course, so many different products too. So definitely conducive to, I think, the value of, of that type of virtual experience. But for now, Neha, thank you so much again for taking the time out to chat with me. It has been such a pleasure to dig into the obsessed business, but also just the higher level trends around virtual experiences, the metaverse, digital communities. It is such an exciting space and there are so many layers to it. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. It was a real pleasure. These questions were really fun. <laughs> and to all of you, thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions for um, Neha around any of these trends that we discussed or others, we would love to hear from you. Just drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at retail touchpoints. We would love to keep the conversation going. And if you liked what you heard, please drop us a review and comment on your preferred podcast player. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Frank anywhere else. We're likely there. Spread the good word. It'll help us amplify the brand and of course, get these great conversations to other listeners. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.